Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. You're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass. And welcome back to Horror Queers. It's your bonus mini-sode, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we're talking uh, Addison Hyman's new queer horror film, Hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. Folks, this was very exciting for me because Addison Hyman was the director of Jeff Drives You, which was a micro queer short that we have covered on the show before. So I was so excited for Hypochondria because it's like, how often does a short director get to end up making a feature? Mm-hmm. And it's really fucking queer to boot. Very, very, very queer. Unabashedly queer. Explicitly queer in some ways. Ah! Um, in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, if you have not seen this, uh, Hypochondriac, the logline from IMDb is a young potter's life devolves into chaos as he loses function of his body while being haunted by the physical manifestation of his childhood trauma. And pretty significant trigger warning for things like self-harm and mental illness. Uh, this has been an interesting, Trace. I think we're going to have a good conversation about it because... Some people are really responding to the mental illness portion Mm -hmm. of it and like the hallucinations that this character is experiencing. And then other people are like, oh, a little of that goes a long way. And what I'm really more interested in is the reality of like this queer man trying to cope with it, but also being reticent to involve his partner and so on. And that latter part is where I fall in this. I mean, I, I reviewed this at a South by Southwest, and I was really excited to go in to, to see it because, yeah, I mean, queer horror. Like, it's like, fuck yeah, give it to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I did find myself responding a lot more to the non-genre elements of this film. So, like, the scenes where it is more quieter human drama. Um, the horror elements, which, you know, I mean, we see I have a lot of hallucinations here, some trippy editing. We have, of course, your uh, wolfman in a costume. Oh, yeah. I, I like them at first, but then I kind of got tired of them after a while. And it, as a horror fan, it's a weird position to be in where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really enjoying the story of this movie. I wish the horror stuff would stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little bit exhausting, right? So I've been tracking the way that people have responded to this. And some people feel like, yeah, the hallucinations, they're not just repetitive, but also they're really hard to get through because... Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've seen this a lot in horror recently, more often than not with women, where it's like the unreliable protagonist, is she losing her mind or is it really happening? Thankfully, this film doesn't go that route, but it doesn't reduce the fact that we're still just seeing this character go through the emotional and often physical ringer to yeah. combat their mental illness. And, you know, I think some people will find pleasure and catharsis coming out the other side of it and being like, okay, we all went through that together. It was exhausting, but here we are. Whereas other people are like, okay, it feels like we're just seeing the same thing, you know, a dozen times. Well, and it's not even just within the film. It's just in stories like this in the horror genre. It, 
there's nothing very i'm gonna get all my negatives out of the way first because i, okay. I do like this movie it's just <laughs> yeah I, this type of story with you know a man suffering from mental illness and typically you know we have the is he or isn't he crazy is it all in his head or is he really being mm-hmm. sucked by demons and i appreciate this film's willingness to be like no 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 he's mentally ill <laughs> Full that's stop. out of yeah. the way mm-hmm. and i thought i would like that but then unfortunately what it did was i was like oh but i'm still missing some kind of con well uh not that I'm missing a conflict, but it made the experience of most of the second act and kind of going into that third where I was like, okay, like we're just kind of seeing a lot of the same stuff here that I've seen in other movies done before. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because you and I don't have at least this level of mental illness? You know, like you've been working through your ADHD right. diagnosis. I have tepid depression which i've never actually yeah you know all all the usual fun mental illness stuff that is a bit more conventional whereas this film is exploring like bipolar and suicidal thoughts and that kind of stuff like it's on the far end of the mental illness spectrum it's entirely possible we haven't said this yet but everyone i mean the the film opens with that title card that says you know based on a real mental breakdown the director released a statement with the film that talks about how yeah he he lost functioning of his arms and he Mm -hmm. went through a lot of what this character will goes through in the film so his goal with the film was trying to convey exactly what it feels like to be suffering from mental illness and on that level, I do think he succeeds. I just think also, like, you know, while, yeah, sure, like, you're going through a lot of the same frustrations, a lot of the same routines, because, like, doctors won't listen to you. Uh, you're mm-hmm. afraid of telling your your loved ones because you don't want to be a burden. Right. I feel all that in this film, but I also, at the same time, don't think it makes for a particularly compelling viewing experience. So while it might be realistic, and it, I was just kind of like, okay, but like, well, this is getting a bit redundant. But at the same time, I'm like, well, but if you're going through this, it is going to be redundant, because you have to go through all these motions. Hmm. Yeah, it's part of the struggle with mental illness, right? It's not as though you take a pill and you're cured or you're fixed or you go to right. see a therapist and, you know, after a certain number of sessions, you get that clean bill of health. Mental illness is often forever. It's something that you can relapse on that you're going to struggle with that you might have to, every time you start a new relationship, confide in this person and say, hey, I've struggled with this or, oh, it's been six months and I've been dating this person. I feel really close to them, but also I I'm not ready to let them in and see that really shitty dark side of myself that even I don't know how to process. Right. And, and it is some of these insights. And again, I mean, we'll talk about the scenes with him and with Will and his partner. But it's like, those are the scenes where I'm like, I'm captivated. I am moved mm-hmm. by these scenes. And I feel like there's something like he struck something here. I mean, it struck something here. And then we get to the horror elements where I'm like, oh, but these all feel kind of generic and uninspired. And that may sound right. really harsh, but it's more so like... If the human drama wasn't working so well for me, I might mm-hmm. be less bothered by generic horror stuff because I'm like, cool, like this is just on the same level, but it's just so different for me. Right. Okay. That's interesting because it's not necessarily that the horror is bad. Like yeah. this isn't a bad movie in that regard. You're just saying the highs are so high that when we get to the kind of more average horror interpretation Mm -hmm. with these hallucinations it's just a little too been there done that yeah exactly and so that's why i I gave it a three out of five because i would recommend this movie it's Mm -hmm. just one of those things where i'm like oh but I, i wish there was a bit more creativity done in those horror scenes 
Right. Okay. I can definitely understand that. I feel like the first big set piece, so there's this reprieve where Will, who is played by Zach Vila, takes his new-ish boyfriend, <laughs> Luke, who is played by Devin Gray. They kind of do an escape to a cottage in the woods, and Will gets high on shrooms. Probably not the best decision. Yeah. And he ends up tripping out in the hot tub, and this is the first real moment of horror where we see the wolf, who is the symbolic representation of his mental illness, stalking him and attacking him, and he ends up really injuring his arm. It's the first of several times that this will happen throughout the film. Mm -hmm. I found that scene really well executed it's caught that kind of staccato jump cutting that Mm -hmm. it freaks me out i find it very unnerving and i like that a lot and then you're right over time i found that each new hallucination didn't add anything new to it it was the same kind of visual tricks and i thought okay you know yeah i i get it because we need to keep understanding he's struggling with this it's not going away but there's also a certain period of time where you go okay you know, it's a little bit of what else have you got. Right. But, but at the same time, again, like when you're like, okay, but he really went through this. It's like, well, right. that, he's just putting his experience out there. But again, that's the difference where it's like, well, sometimes you have to make changes or adjust things to make the movie better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with you that I think a lot of the more human elements end up ultimately working really well. And as a result you hunger for that kind of stuff because you're chasing those highs. So I was really attracted to things like the medical critique. And Mm -hmm. uh, Hyman has been on the record as saying part of his struggle was that he would go to all of these different doctors and tell them different things. So he was almost fishing for a different diagnosis depending on how he was feeling or what WebMD search he had come across. So he was like, is it ALS or is he going down some other path or is it just stress <laughs> is it just stress and and there's some comedy to be mined from this because of course each time we see a doctor it's a new doctor and they're giving him different diagnoses but also the end result is always mm, maybe it's just stress well and that's the thing too I mean I, I get the critiques there and those do work I mean it's a bit on the nose but it works because it's not that far from the truth. <laughs> no, that's the hard part. <laughs> but I did want more scenes with Paget Brewster's therapist. Like, I wanted more scenes of him confronting this. So, I mean, it, so that's also where kind of the third act feels a bit rushed to me because we go from his one meeting and then, like, well, okay, cool. Then the end of the movie, we resolve it and, like, he's in the institution and blah, 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 blah. I kind of wanted more scenes of him talking this out. And that's where, again, where I'm like, well, we're wasting real estate, meaning the runtime of the film, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on these hallucinations. And I want to kind of know more about what he thinks about this outside of what's going on with me, what's the the problem. Uh, But even, like, the scenes with his father, which... On the surface, I think the father can come across as very unlikable, but then you realize mm-hmm. that he, it's just his own way of trying to help his son. Like when he says things, very very inflammatory remarks to get him to lash out. Right. To help him like not stress out. And I was like that, the back and forth of emotions I felt in that scene from, oh, fuck this guy too. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. And I liked yeah. that. Like, that. That was really interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's a tough character to pull off in that regard. I mean- Let's get this out of the way as well. Uh, Zach Vila is doing a fucking amazing job as well because he is truly the anchor of this. Mm -hmm. But it's how other characters sort of come in and out of his life that end up 
either grounding or heightening the emotional components of the film. Yeah. So like the dad who's played by Chris Dubchek doesn't have a ton of scenes, mm-hmm. but it's really vital to understand because we haven't actually mentioned it, but will he's kind of like a second generation mental illness sufferer. Like his mother struggled with bipolar as well. And uh, he's really traumatized by, uh, the attempted murder she committed on him in the opening scene yeah the the movie opens with her in an episode and she nearly strangles him to death and he's haunted by the memory of this and i think also afraid that he will become just like her and of course she's re-traumatizing him by provoking him with new tapes and videos and she's stalking the boyfriend and so on so it's important that we understand how his father dealt with his mother back right. in the day but also you know, I know I was looking for more empathy from his father because he's already gone through this and he seems so cavalier and nonchalant. And then, yeah, you realize, oh, no, this is the way that he has learned how to deal with mental illness in his own way. Exactly. And I think, too, I mean, again, like maybe us as queer folks, I mean, I don't know how your relationship is with your father exactly, but my dad not to say he's unemotional but like we just didn't really grow up having like those kind of talks and so Mm. we found other ways to not cope with each other but work with each other when we have to have those discussions if we have those discussions right and so (laughs) again like maybe that's why that resonated with me and granted my dad doesn't say things to piss me off to like get me like whatever but Mm. it's similar that like we, we don't have those like sit down heart to hearts like i'm sure some people do have with their parents Right. Yeah, I have that relationship with my mother. My dad is kind of like, oh, we're cracking jokes and sitting on opposite sides of the room and watching television together. Yeah. I mean, even too. I mean, like, I'm jumping a bit here, but like Madeline Zima as as the boss in this movie. I'm like, oh, cool. Like Madeline Zima, like, let's get more from her. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, it's just kind of she's just there to be like, oh, you can't have time off. Oh, I'm a stressful boss. That's it. It, it, it feels a little slim to me, but maybe mm. it's because there is so much in this film that we don't have time to also deal too much with his work life outside of the injury that's going to happen to him. Yeah, and of course, you know, like nearly everything in the film, this is based on some real-life experiences mm-hmm. where Hyman was working. I gathered it's a bit more of a manual labor job, but he was required to be moving heavy boxes, and his bosses didn't appreciate the severity of his arm injuries. Yeah. So I think this ends up getting played a little bit more for comedy. It's a little bit of a kind of L.A.-related joke, right? Yes. He works for a high-end pottery company, and of course, he is Latinx. And uh, we've also got a co-worker of his, Sasha, who is played by Yumeri Morales. And so we bought these two people of color who are working for this uppity white bitch who is just basically <laughs> doing zero work and going to galas and trips and stuff. So there's some class comedy going on there. I took it to be like you're dealing with your own really significant shit but then you also have to go to work at your minimum wage job because you got to pay the bills and i appreciate what you're saying that yeah i would have loved to have had a bit more of this because the comedy is funny and there's a good moment of horror where you know will sticks his arms into a kiln and Mm -hmm. burns himself really badly because he's having a hallucination which is good horror stuff yeah but it's tricky because at the end of the day, this is meant to be 
how do you do this shit when your life is falling apart spectacularly in other regards? So it it feels in some ways like Will is a fully rounded character who's got multiple competing interests, but it also means that we're just getting little slivers of a lot of things. Right, and that would make sense since Will is the proxy for Hyman. Yes. But yes, yeah, it has the... uh, maybe unintended effect of having a lot of characters just kind of be like a bit bit of a shorthand almost yeah they flit in and out and if you like or latch onto one of them you're like "Ooh, give me a little bit more of them and then they're gone and they don't always come back like his co-worker it's like oh like she's really interesting too (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i guess we've buried the lead a bit though because we do have a pretty graphic sex scene in this film with also full frontal male nudity which we don't see a lot Except in queer films, because the queer films know <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and folks, if you haven't had an opportunity to check it out, we did an interview with Hyman after we had uh, both screened the film at South by Southwest or mm-hmm. the Boston Underground Film Festival earlier this year. But um, we specifically asked him about how this sex scene came about, because yeah, this is full frontal nudity from men, mm-hmm. as well as rimming trace. Yes, which I've seen, I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen rimming in, like outside of the Mm -hmm. usual like short bus. Right. (laughs) That's where I went to. Mm -hmm. I know. I was like, (laughs) because that's the one, right? Like when you see, when you see rimming not in porn, it's like, oh, I'm seeing something here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I applaud Hyman for including this. And he did say in the interview that it was important to him that he included this specific sexual act in the film. Yeah, I mean, I think not just because it is representative of queer desire and specifically gay male desire, but also I think he wanted to normalize it, right? Like there's there's an opportunity here. He he said like the level at which this film was being made, which is obviously independent, but not cheap, you know, like the film looks polished, it's professional, it's got a reasonable budget to it. Mm -hmm. And he said, in the event that he goes on to make bigger films, or he never gets a project with a budget this size, again, he wanted to take the opportunity to say, yeah, I'm going to put some some butt licking and some butt touching and stuff in here. Which I appreciate even because I've also met gay men who were like, very anti rimming for I don't know, hygiene issues or whatever. Um, So (laughs) I I appreciate the effort because I'm like, no, 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 everyone, rim each other. It's good. Oh my God. It is a personal preference as a sex act. You can can be gay or you can be queer and not engage in rimming. But uh, yeah, if you've been reticent to try it, then maybe this film, well, I was going to say, this film will show you it looks very pleasurable, but then unfortunately, (laughs) this scene, (laughs) well, the the scene is followed by some horror, so which I, I struggled with. I was like, God damn it, can't we just get a hot gay sex scene in a horror <laughs> film? No, it's got to be followed by <laughs> horrible shit. Also, I mean, tiny segue, but like the actor playing the boyfriend, Devin Gray. So he's been in a bunch of stuff before. He's primarily an actor, but he did mm-hmm. write that Helen Hunt movie that we both really, really like. I see you. Yes. And the actor is gay in real life, which means that movie is queer horror no matter what. So <laughs> there we go. Slotting it down for future coverage. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about their relationship, because that's really the the kind of other big thing that mm-hmm. I think both you and I really ended up appreciating. You know, it's hard to watch Will sort of fall apart or even to push Luke away because he doesn't want to let him in. He's afraid of being vulnerable. As you said, he doesn't want to be a burden. But 
there's something so compelling about this relationship. Like I was really rooting for these characters. Yeah, it is. Again, almost a thing where I'm like, I wish there was more of this boyfriend too, because, but I get it. Like I, I, I won't go too much into my personal stuff, but just mm-hmm. like I don't have my other half here to like speak for himself. But you know, I, okay. if you all listened to our It Follows episode or uh, uh, X Files, I want to believe, like you know that my husband has uh, has struggled with mental illness, depression, things like that. And I have been like present in moments where it's like not anything on the level of hypochondriac, mind you, but mm-hmm. where it's like you know you, you, they're feeling a certain way and you want to help them, but you know there's nothing you can really do at the end of the day to fix anything that they're going through. So all you can do is just be there be there yeah and it was so it was just nice I, I honestly thought for a moment that this boyfriend was going to cut and run and mm-hmm. i i appre- i really like the fact that that's not what happened and watching their relationship i was like yes like th- th- this is like really 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 resonating with me mm-hmm. yeah i mean i was definitely thinking about spiral when i was watching this because mm-hmm. i feel like so often when we see a gay male character, more often than not when they're teenagers, it's like the gay best friend, uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they have a crush on like some straight football player, bullshit, whatever. Um, if we're seeing adult men, they're often still single. And so it feels rare that we actually get to see a relationship or a couple that is a bit more mature. So I was thinking about this in comparison to Spiral and some of the negative critiques that that film got where the partners didn't feel like they were in support of each other. Like they weren't acting as one in the way that we would hope or expect in terms of representation. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel like hypochondriac, it's it's almost flipping it around, right? Where this is a really fucked up, hard situation, but the love and affection that we see between the two men is more, I don't know, it it's sweet and it's nice and you feel like they could actually get through it together. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even think about comparing it to Spiral, but you are right, right? Because that one, that partner in <laughs> Spiral is horrible. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> Well, and I know that that Heisman, when we interviewed him and some of the other interviews he did around the film's premiere at the festivals, he did say he had sought out a bunch of queer horror films. So he's familiar with the landscape. Like he's referencing Knife Plus Heart. He's referencing Mm -hmm. Spiral even. So he did his homework in addition to incorporating his own experiences. And he talked in the interview he did with us about how important it is to have hope as you know, as we move forward with queer horror, there's a tendency to be a little bit negative, like what we saw in Spiral. So I appreciated not just the the interest in exploring a real relationship, but also having a little bit of hope for these characters at the film's conclusion. Well, that's the thing, right? The film, I said this in the interview, it's not a happy ending, but it is an optimistic no. ending. Like yeah. we have Will admitting himself. The, the conversation with his new psychiatrist is wonderful at the end especially when she's like your mom was here but like you know it's too much so i told her to go away yeah i was intrigued by that i was too but i the final shot which actually is a really really beautiful image to leave the film on well beautiful Mm -hmm. but a bit haunting because we have will sitting on a bench at this institute as his boyfriend comes up and sits next to him but he's still got that wolf man the man in the wolf costume sitting on his other side as well and Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, you'll have your life, but you'll also like never be rid of this mental illness. And so you have to learn to live and cope with it. Um, Yeah. But again, it's just like, I was relieved 
when the credits rolled in this movie at that point because I was like, oh, good. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel happy-ish about this. <laughs> yeah, because even just remove the boyfriend, right? Remove Luke from that equation. It would still be an amazingly beautiful shot, but the messaging would be completely different. It's like, oh, you're never going to get rid of this, even though you might be staring at the most beautiful vista, you know, a foggy kind of oasis, there's your mental illness chained to you like a ball. So I love this idea that you you won't be free of it, but you can still have hope and you can still have someone else in your life that's going to support you and love you. Well, and it, and it, it also resists the horror elements because it, in a standard quote-unquote mm-hmm. horror film <laughs> yeah, you would sure. have this character accidentally kill himself or accidentally kill his boyfriend because of the hallucination mm-hmm. so oh i totally thought we were going there after the sex scene i thought that's where we were going and i was so relieved i wrote in my notes oh that boyfriend's dead like <laughs> so I, I was so happy to be wrong so yes. on that level yes when i guess that the film works in that way where it's like priming me for standard horror tropes because it really is following some standard horror tropes but then pulls out of the genre to -hmm. give us that ending yeah yeah it's interesting i almost wonder if part of the reason sorry i'm now doing that thing that you just like where i speculate about some of the issues that you maybe had with the film Mm -hmm. i wonder if it had been more traditionally straightforward just like hardcore horror or more traditionally straightforward drama like i wonder if it's the intersection between the two that just doesn't marry quite as well yeah, I think you're right. I think even in my review, I said like the push and pull between the two genres can mm. work. I just don't think it works in this film. Right. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to overcome because I do agree with you. I'm a little bit more positive on the mm-hmm. film than you. But yeah, there are some elements that don't 100% work for me. And I think it is. It's that tension between the genres where it's not bad. There's just certain things where I wonder, mm, I wonder if there was another way to do this that yeah. could have made it just a little bit more effective. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, even while writing my review, I mean, I have this director statement I'm reading. And I'm like, God, like, I, mm-hmm. it's separating myself I'm, by critiquing the film. Am I also critiquing, like, the experience he went through? And it, right. it's really like learning to divorce yourself from that. I'm like, no, no, no. I've, I've got to just mm-hmm. really put that aside. Acknowledge it put it aside though and treat this as a film which is what i'm doing yeah it is really tough though right when we're talking about art as an extension of its creator like Mm -hmm. we regularly talk about films on the podcast as you know okay people had to make uh, creative decisions this was their intent does it end up working or coming across in that way and we always you know our repeated refrain well once you've created it and <laughs> released it into the world it's up to audiences to make up our mind but it's hard when it's so you know autobiographical like this like is it even possible to remove heisman from this film like i, I wonder how many people watch this and don't know how intricately it's based on his real life and if they're able to then say okay yeah this worked or this didn't well and that's the thing though right so i mean obviously the film should be able to stand on its own even if you didn't know it was based on a true story however Mm -hmm. that element does add layers to this film that i think is important to have an enricher viewing experience so i agree yeah i it's it's just a tricky tightrope to walk because Mm -hmm. again it's a personal and a passion project for hyman and i respect that and i get it it just, you know, it just, it just doesn't always work for me. 
Yeah, and I wonder if part of the other reason that we're sort of carefully negotiating all of this is that Mm -hmm. in a way this feels a bit like the first of its kind. I can't say that I've seen too, too many other queer horror films that are crafted this way, right? Like a lot of the time it's, oh, I'm telling a story. You know, I thought it up, I wrote it down, we filmed it, and now it's a film. Well, and also, I mean, because I know this probably just wasn't Hyman's experience, but I am a bit surprised, too, there isn't more... Like, the movie is explicitly queer, as we have said, but there's no, uh, uh, like, residual trauma or something from being queer outside of the opening scene where we have one of the... the, the oh, boys shitty him. kids yeah yeah they're, they're using the f slur on him but like we don't really have much more of that or, or even how his mother or father really handled him being gay in his youth and how that mm. might have contributed to his current mental state and so again there's the things where i'm like well i mean if you have this story and you're telling a story about trauma and mental illness and you have a queer lead mm-hmm. I, I think it would be interesting to ha- feature that in there as well but again uh. that might not be hyman's experience so right uh, It's interesting because as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, oh, I actually don't want that because part of the thing I like about the film is how the queerness is just there. Like it's part of who this character is and it's actually not related to the trauma. It's not something that needs to be unpacked because it's just, it's an element. It's a facet of this character and Mm -hmm. I really liked it. But then as you were talking, I actually had those questions about his race and his queerness. Because, Mm. I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're talking about really strong representation from a person of color, but also a queer man. And, you know, I'm just going to say, not something we always see. So you hunt for it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, even like the nugget when his boss is like basically flirting with him and coming on him. But then she's like, oh, but it's okay because you're gay. It's like, okay, cool. Like, that's something that I pick up on because I'm like, yeah, that's not appropriate. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's it's just those little nuggets. I'm like, oh, I kind of wish more of that was sprinkled throughout. Not necessarily, I guess, that the the, the trauma was also tied to his queerness. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, just more things like that. But now I'm just getting into what I want more (laughs) in the film that isn't here. So it's like, well, that's not constructive criticism. Yeah, it's complicated, right? I I think we're still on the cusp. Like, this is so much more explicitly queer. And it is trying to do some interesting things in terms of autobiography that we're just not really used to. Mm -hmm. But we're still dealing with so few texts that are this explicitly queer, right? that I think we're looking for different kinds of representation or different kinds of storytelling, because this is it, right? Like, these are the handful of texts that we can really interrogate on this level. Because I'm so used to saying like, oh yeah, this movie is queer because uh, the third build character who's listed (laughs) in the credits as friend eight is a gay man in real life. Like that's the representation we've been dealing with. So all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, really fucking explicitly queer, gay sex scene, blah, blah, blah. Like we almost needed to do more than this film actually can. It's like I've got to relearn how to critique because I'm not used to critiquing something like this. (laughs) Right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) All that to say, even though not everything about this film worked for us, I will take about five to ten more of these films trying, maybe not always succeeding in every regard, because, yeah, this this was satisfying on a bunch of different levels, 
even when it didn't nail the execution, I was like, I'm just really happy to be watching this explicitly queer horror film. Well, I also think too, like, as you said, we haven't, we're not, we don't often get things like this. And so, mm-hmm. and also because a lot of filmmakers that want to make these stories haven't been allowed to make these stories. So right. as more of them get made, a lot of films have to start somewhere. So we will get bad works. We will get generic sure. works and mm-hmm. then we will get good works. And so it's all about, I guess, seeing like, I mean, this is an opportunity for this genre of film. And we'll just say queer horror mm-hmm. to establish its own tropes, to establish right. its own narrative and formulas and stuff. And so that, that is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. It's just, for me, this film is leaning a bit too much on tropes we've seen before. So right. I, I'm excited for the future of the genre and where it goes. But at the same time, this is a great stepping stone to that, to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't think it's so confrontational that non-queer audiences are going to look at this and say, oh, that's not for me. I'm not yeah. interested in it. Like, there's enough meat here to latch on to. So I'm hopeful that people are checking it out, that they're sampling it, that they're processing how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, I hope that this is the future of way more texts like this to come. I agree. It'll probably be stuck in the indie landscape and not mainstream cinemas, but that's okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, everyone, let us know what you thought. Again, I still recommend this movie. Uh, I Absolutely. think it's definitely worth a watch. A lot to get from this. Um, mm-hmm. But let us know your thoughts and, I don't know, send it in the comments and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Let us know your feelings. (laughs) But until we get our next queer horror film that we can do a fun bonus minisode on, um, I guess we can cross out hypochondriac. Indeed. And cross out horror queers. (laughs) 